This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. All right, Logan, uh, you know what's good for uh, for mid-October? What's good? What's not good? Oktoberfest beer, <laughs> which I'm just going to crack right now. See, Logan's not even looking, but I, I have one right here in my hand. And I'm going to crack this. That's good. Right now. And uh, we're going to have ourselves a podcast. What's bad for mid-October is your football team being essentially, uh, we can't say eliminated because they're not eliminated. At one and four, they could go on a run. They went on a four-game winning streak last year. If they were to somehow do that, they'd be over 500 and right in the thick of things. Uh, but functionally speaking, they are in a massive Grand Canyon-sized hole. Uh, climbing out of the Grand Canyon is not recommended. And, uh, Logan, it, it comes at the hands of the Tennessee Titans in a game where offensively, despite some of the yardage totals and some of the things that Carson Wentz accumulates statistically by the end before the gut-wrenching final interception, uh, the offense feels disjointed, unproductive, and not close to its maximum potential yet again. Yeah, and I think, so uh, let's start with some positive things first. I think obviously the chunk plays were nice to see. It's been a while since they've had that feature of the offense. Obviously the first uh, completion of Curtis Samuel for 31 yards, the completion of Terry on the underneath stuff. I thought that was good early in the first half. Then uh, those were kind of the two big plays and obviously the Diami touchdown. I think that was great to see Diami out there getting some burn, getting some action, seeing some of that skill set that you know you see in training camp that flashes. And it was nice that it flashed today. And again, like nothing overly complicated there, like really just running vertical, maybe a little bit of a post if you want to get like be picky about it, but it's good to see that. And then, you know, on the second Diami touchdown, I like that Carson sees a man look and checks to a man beater and puts the ball in a good spot. Diami makes a great play on it. That drive was exceptional. Like that drive is what this offense should be way more often. They picked spots, they picked matchups. Carson got the ball out a couple times quickly over the middle. Like they might have matched their yardage. I, you know, we talked earlier in the week about that had 73 yards between the hashes all yeah. season. I'll have to see if we can dig up the number uh, after this game, but they might have doubled yeah. that today. And and so again, like that's that's some good things offensively. I still think, you know, um 
when I was doing the show, uh, Denton's was like, you know, you're putting lipstick on a pig. And I kind of agree with that, you know, cause like, if you look at like the first three drives, fumbled snap, uh, false start penalty and another fumbled snap, And then they had some of that same kind of, you know, self-inflicted wounds in the second half, not missing throws, stuff, stuff like that. And I think that's the frustrating thing about this offense is you see kind of the highs, but you also see kind of the stuff that's going to keep them from being good. That, that does also in the same breath seem somewhat correctable. And like, I feel a little bit more optimistic. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel somewhat more optimistic about where the team is at today, but in, in, in some ways I, I also feel a little bit more depressed about it because to me, this was like, I don't say the perfect matchup, but a very, very good matchup for this team. Um, you know, they, like we talked about in the pregame show today, we talked about on the podcast earlier this week. Um, you know, it, it, this was the defense that is Jack Del Rio's defense. You see this defense every single day in practice. And for you to only put up, uh, 17 points, I think is a little bit discouraging. You know, it's, um, it's not what it should be, I guess. So, um, yeah, I get that, that, that to me is, um, kind of my takeaway offensively i think defensively they did a nice yeah, yeah well real quick ahead. real quick yeah. on the offense just to, to kind of round out some of that thoughts and then i do want to get to the defense because i do think the defense has played really well and for as hard as we were on them earlier in the season they deserve their flowers uh for the way that they've played in, in a lot of spots but offensively like i'm just i've come to grips with who they are what and do you mean? i've kind of given up like, hope i've i have gotten out of my head that they could be this incredibly dynamic yeah you know, multiple offense that resembles some of the best in the NFL. They're not going to be that. Um, They're not going to be that because the coordinator does not seem to have that as a vision for who they are, despite the fact fact that their personnel is built perfectly for it and that they were that in week one. And so if the coordinator doesn't have that vision, why should I? Um, And if he's got another vision that's successful, that's fine. But so far, the last four games, all four losses uh, where they haven't cracked 20 points, like, it's it's not there and part of that is the offensive line i mean nick martin had a really really bad day he's been a good football player at times during his career today was not one of them and from the bad snaps to the holds to some other things like he really hurt them today so did norwell norwell had a really rough day and a lot of you know on a lot of big snaps against simmons and simmons did some stuff that was uh that was game wrecking level um but also at the end of the day like offensively they just aren't I, I just don't know what they're trying to do. And I think that's the frustrating part is like, you know, it's one thing if like we thought they would be one thing, they're another. And that thing that is the other is like, wow, look at this thing. But like, Logan, they're, they're plays at the end of the game. Mm, yeah. You have six foot seven Cole Turner, yeah. Yeah. right? He's six, seven. Uh, you have Terry McLaurin, who's the ultimate competitor that you really do trust in jump ball situations. You have Cam Sims, who's good at the, in those situations. And you run all those plays out of a bunch formation just crossing guys into traffic with a million defenders in the way from the two-yard line. And by the way, you have to pass it because your coach got way too caught up in, in, oh, I have to challenge this. I have to give my guy a shot when it was pretty obvious after one replay that Cam Sims didn't catch that ball on the sideline and I didn't like that play call anyway. Like, just get the first down. Right. And so, like, they're going to put themselves in bad situations and they're not going to help maximize their skill set and I just like it's it's a lot easier not to get disappointed. Like last week, we come and we're we're rip mad after that game because it was so frustrating and so disappointing. But seeing that, watching it back this week, and then going into this game and being like, they're probably going to do that again because this is what they want to do. Yeah, having that confirmation makes me way less mad because at the end of the day, like they they know who they are. 
Um, or the, like this is, I don't say they know who they are. This, this is who they are. Mm-hmm. And you can't get mad at someone for being who they are. Yeah. And I think, you know, they did some good stuff offensively. I like in the first quarter, I think first quarter, maybe second quarter that, you know, they do a drop back pass out of 12. That's something we were calling for. And obviously there's some process there that, that you like, but again, I do kind of have this, um, this exasperated feel towards the offense, you know, like, uh, to me, like the first play you run in the red zone is like some version of mesh, you know, like it's two crossers and a guy who kind of sits down over the ball and, uh, Cam Sims. And, you know, I know you like that in third and two situations and got to have it situations, but it doesn't seem like it's been super efficient for you, you know? And like one of the, one of the plays you run a ton of in training camp is this kind of, um, jerk concept where, you know, you're in a bunch, you run a corner, the outside guy runs an out and return, and then the guy over the ball is in an option route one-on-one with the middle linebacker. And to me, I was like, well, that's what they're going to call here because Cole Turner's active. Like, he crushes that play, and they're running, like, a version of, like, drop eight, Tampa two. So what that means is you've got the Tampa two structure behind, and then you're going to drop a defensive tackle out to kind of help the Tampa two player underneath. And that's tough. That's tough to throw against, no doubt. But also, like, you know that's what they're going to run. You, they ran at the first play. They ran at the second play. They ran at the third play. Some variation of it. And I think the thing that um, that's frustrating is, like, why that's the weakest cover guy on the field. And he's got help underneath. But, like, in a one-on-one situation going for a rebound, I like my odds with Cole. I like my odds with Cam. Right. I like my odds with Terry. Well, and also, like, you know, they run on the, the game-sealing interception, um, which felt almost inevitable. Um they're running a slant to JD and they would just like refuse to do that in the middle of the field where he's got space. And it's like in tight spaces, I want my best contested catch guys. I want Terry there. I want a guy in six, seven and Turner. Like I want those guys. I don't want the running back converted wide receiver running a slant at the goal line where it's tight and contested. Give me that where there's space. And so it's just like the thought processes or the thought processes Thought processes, whatever they are. That's a really funny one to mess up, by the way, uh, when you can't get the, the word right on a, on a thought thing. But that, it's like, those are so warped. Yeah. It's like, some of them are, are like, oh, well, we should try to get this, so let's go there. And it's like, no, not now. Um, and then you also have, you know, the, the big discussion that we had this week. Um, or on, on the show this morning that we were chomping at the bit at after, uh, you know, one of our YouTube clips kind of went viral a little bit this week and all people were like, Oh, it's the offensive line's fault. It's like basically everyone, but Carson's fault. Um, is, was that like Carson is just going to read the wrong side of formation sometimes. And whether that's because he's new to the system or that's kind of who he's been for a lot of his career, um, doesn't really matter. Like it's happening right now. And I thought there was a couple of those situations today where like you have Cole Turner one-on-one or you have Terry one-on-one and, and you have the, the matchup. And instead he reads the other side of the field. That's kind of designed just to be, I want to say it's like, it's not live. Cause like, obviously those guys are eligible and those guys are running stuff. Cause Carson's looking over there, but it's like, you're really doing a lot of that stuff away from the one-on-one. So you can get the one-on-one you got the one-on-one yeah. go there. And, and there was one play I'd have to go back and look at which one it is, but you know, they have a one-on-one on one side and then four over three and a bunch on the other. And Carson goes to the side where there's four over three. Yeah. And you're like, that's not how the numbers are supposed to work. I don't know a ton about NFL offenses, but I'm pretty sure you went, went to the wrong side there. And so it's like, if this stuff is just going to continue to happen, I guess at that point, you're like, this is who they are. Not like, ah, why don't they fix it? Why don't they fix it? Because you're asking someone to fix something that they like, it, they, 
I don't want to say they can't, but they're likely not going to because it, it just kind of is built into the calculation at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. You know, the offense just feels very disconjointed. And, um, you know, obviously, like, I think a lot of fans are going to say, oh, look at the big plays. And, like, that is some good stuff. But, you know, like, and, and to be fair, to be fair in that, in that last drive, in that last kind of, uh, you know, first and goal situation, like, you have 19 seconds left. They're in drop eight. Like, the way to beat drop eight is to extend the play, right? And everyone in the stadium knows that you cannot extend the play. So you're trying to hit something in timing versus a coverage that's packed in in the red zone. They've got so many coverage players back there. They know you're not going to scramble because you can't get tackled. In. Like you really handcuffed yourself there. And I don't think people understand how challenging it is to be successful in that situation. But I do also think that there could have been a better play call potentially there, right? Like one of the things that you pointed out is you get guys like crossing into space, like crossing into each other. The the second play, I, I mean, I drew them all up just to kind of think about like which side of the formation would I like to work versus these concepts, right? Is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a corner and a flat on the second route and they cover it up pretty good, mm-hmm. but there's a dig that comes open late, you know, in the back of the middle of the end zone and the middle linebacker opens to the corner side and there's a nice big window there. And if Carson... Uh, it just takes a beat you know i understand you, you got the clock there that there's a throw there you know what i mean there's a throw there to an open dax mill and you try to force it to de- uh uh mckissick underneath kind of in the hole and i get that i understand you trying to make that happen but i th- that, i think that's the thing that i want to just point out is like that is a, that is an impossible that's a, not an impossible situation it's a very difficult situation because of the time restriction but also like even though we want to jump all over scott there are throws there. You know what I mean? Even on this, the third play, for example, sure. like they're running like from a bunch, they basically run like two kind of deep pivot routes and you get Cam kind of pushing away from the middle linebacker and Carson gets off of it really quickly and tries to hit D, uh, McKissick on the angle route behind Terry. And to me, I'm like, gosh, like, you know, this matchup over here seems much more much better for what you're trying to do in terms of spacing in terms of concept in terms of matchup and in terms of opportunity and so i think you know we want to jump over scott a little bit but i do think that there was and and that situation so specific i wonder how how many times they've had to go over that you know if they've had time to review that at all and right again you also have to get in there like a lot of times from the two yard line you know obviously run is on the table um also if you want to try like one of those underneath shovel passes or something like that like that's on the table except for it's not because there's nine seconds right. left on the clock and you have no timeouts you can't throw something that's not in the end zone but that's why i'm also like you got three plays and not one of them's a fade yeah like you don't you don't ever try to get or th- like a sprint out to the end zone yeah. uh, or to the corner like there's just so much stuff there where they don't use the space and like you know the 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 end zone the red zone is so hard because it gets so condensed and the fact that they condensed the field more and kind of kept it there like if you want a bunch like now I don't, I don't want to like come off as you know analyst slash fan who's like trying to do the play calling but. I don't know. I've seen. I, I've seen certainly. You go that bunch formation, and then let's say you sprint out to the side of the bunch, and you try to get a pick, and you have the guy that kind of runs the the front side of the end zone, and hopefully he can beat his guy to the pylon. Like that kind of thing would make sense to me there. Just but this idea of like let's run mesh from a super condensed formation and have a bunch of guys running into each other, defenders and offensive players in super tight windows. I don't. 
like three times in a row, it feels like that just doesn't seem like you're maximizing your chances of success. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and again, that's a really tough situation. You know, hindsight's 2020. I kind of was like, you know, I wonder if they would have come out in a heavy personnel and just kind of said like, Oh, look at us. We're going to run the football here from two yards out. Like what kind of response they would have gotten. It's easy for me to say that now. Cause like hindsight's 2020, but you know, getting that personnel, see if you can get them to say, Oh, well like let's like all the entire game is on this play and see if you can get them to sell out for something. I think that's an interesting thought, you know, um, like who's got the bigger wavos there, you know? And I think, um, you know, dictating to the defense is always something you're trying to do. And I think in that situation, you let them dictate to you, unfortunately. And, you know, obviously the situation right. was in their favor, but um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a tough spot to be in for sure. But I think, you know, we we can beat around the bush all we want, but a couple other things I wanted to touch on was like, it's good to see Brian Robinson yeah. back out there. I think that's great. For sure. Um, good to see him healthy. I thought I did think that I did think it was a bit weird how much they used yeah. him and like how yeah. little they use Gibson. Um, that's something that like, once we get the final snap counts and stuff, I'd love to revisit later in the week. Although we have to obviously the game on Thursday, so it'll be a quick, quick, turn quick review, yeah. turnaround preview. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was phenomenal to see Brian out there. That like kudos to him. He played well, like yep. great to see him and excited to see him continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, uh, I think Cole getting his feet wet a little bit, I thought maybe a little bit nervous, had a couple balls that I think he would normally catch that, you know, good defense, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see his maturation over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, I thought Sadiq for the most part did a pretty good job, at least from, you know, the thousand foot view. And again, those were guys that were going to have touch tough matchups and he gave up a pressure obviously, but, um, you know, there were some bright spots of young guys stepping up and, and putting in some good work. And, you know, I did, I also agree with you. I think the usage of Gibson was a little unusual and I think, I just think, man, the offense, it's just, it's sluggish, man. I think they were 0 for 4 on first down, on third downs in the first half. And that's just, they were 0 for 9 until the final drive. Yeah. And I think again, that is not a healthy offense, right? Any kind of snafu yeah. or hiccup, I think that to maybe is the is the ultimate kind of concern for me is any hiccup, any incomplete pass, any neutral run, anything like that is just is is drive stalling, and I and I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why. <laughs> um, I wish there was something yeah. else going on, you know. That like, but I and I, I guess the thing is, I don't understand why they don't kind of change their approach to some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, so again, those are kind of the early kind of hit fast hitting thoughts about that. I mean, do you have anything else you want to add, Craig? Yeah. I mean, offensively, I I do want to say like, it wasn't all bad. And I know I was kind of like the negative one there, but like, yeah, no, there was some stuff that was great. I loved the, I mean, both touchdowns to Diami are really well designed plays. And like, I guess in a way that almost just makes it more frustrating because you're like, you guys have it in you and it just seems like you won't adapt fast enough to get the actual result you want. You will do some of the things where the criticism is there and the criticism is seemingly correct because when you do the things, then the offense looks better. Um, So why can't it be more consistent, but definite flashes, hopefully learning experiences. And, you know, who knows, maybe this offense does hit a nice, you know, later in the year, I, it would not surprise me remotely if the offense hits a stride and like they win a couple of games, they have some solid 28, 29, 30 point performances. It's just too little too late at that point, most likely uh, because you now have suddenly because uh, the giants are good. And some of these other teams that we thought were not going to be very good are good you have the second toughest schedule in the league uh, remaining. And that's, that's a tough break. Obviously Chicago, uh, the easiest part of that coming up on Thursday defensively. Um, and Chicago I actually mean, looked Montez, okay today, you know? Yeah. And, and on a Thursday night on the road, like who knows, man, who it looked knows? okay. Um, and I do think also like, I think, I think that maybe the other thing, I don't want to get too far into this cause I want to talk about the defense yeah. is, 
you know, just watching that Giants game and just how sharp it looked, you know, and how the coaching mm-hmm. changed, the young team, the the quarterback who everyone was ready to get to move on from, and just how consistent and effective and disciplined they were, and juxtaposing that against the Commanders, and you're like, man, like that feels, that smells, that looks different than what they're doing here, and I think that's another thing that maybe leaves a weird taste in your mouth is 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 the is the the flaw of comparison, you know, comparing this team to other teams and how um, effective they look in certain situations and how disjointed this team looks at times. So I think that's another thing that's on my mind post-game after watching all the games today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Defensively, hello, Montez Sweat. Uh, Breakout game that we we certainly thought it was coming. Like, Montez has played well. It just hadn't been the sack numbers. (laughs) And he goes out, play one, and just... Sorry to take you back to us. I don't know who's the defensive end that may have done that to you. I don't know if it ever did actually happen to you. But if you get stuck on the wrong D end as a tight end in pass pro, that's got to feel awful, what Montez Sweat did to that poor tight end on play one of the game. Well, so I've I've said this to everybody. Anybody who would listen, like the one flaw, in my opinion, with play-action pass is that you get a very poor pass protector traditionally, tight end, blocking one of the best pass rushers on the team, you know, in, in the defensive end. So Montez Sweat, for me, it was DeMarcus Ware, you know, Alden Smith. Anytime that happened, I was sweating in my boots because, like, that's a matchup that just doesn't bode well, right? And if that guy is playing percentages, and you can tell Montez was there, they're just gonna they're just gonna run right through you because they are physically better. Yes, you know, full rush of all bull rushes. Yeah, and you know, you could tell he was kind of saying this probably is gonna be passed, but if it is run, I'm gonna be in a decent spot. And uh, the tight end just had no opportunity to kind of settle down against that, you know, a bigger, more athletic human being. And I've been there a couple times in my career and coaches will get after you. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I said this on the podcast today. Sometimes God just gives the other guy a little bit more than you got. And uh, that was the case with that situation for sure. Yeah. Uh, so he was great. Allen was great. Payne was good. Uh, I thought James Smith Williams was awesome today. Yeah. Um, he had, he, although I'm, I'm a little mad at James because if he didn't have that monster sack, Tennessee might've kicked a field goal and I might've get the score exactly correct. 24, 17 <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, but no, James was fantastic, uh, today linebackers, I thought played overall pretty well. Um, and then the, I mean, the, mo- the most interesting story of the day and sucks. It's a negative story. Uh, is that William Jackson III does ultimately get benched? Um, yeah. So what, what happened with that? The outside. Did, did they? There, there was no injury. Just I would have to look at what Ron said mm. post game. And to be honest, I went and did some errands after the game, <laughs> uh, which is the exact kind of thing that you want your podcast host to do. Uh, but you know, we'll have more of this on on the pod later uh, as well. But you know, it's uh, you know they make the move, and like I, I, if you want to make it a positive, like give them credit. I don't know what William did to get benched within this game. He had the missed tackle on a key third down that was that was not good. But like, he's not the only corner that's going to miss arm tackling Derrick Henry with no help. Um, so that's that that seemed to be the last straw, and they uh, they move. They put Rashad Wild Goose and Nickel. Um, you know, rough day on the big play for Bobby McCain that ultimately is the game winner. Uh, or like sets up the game winner, but you know, this defense put in a valiant effort. Um, you know, if they're giving up 21 points a game, you'd hope this offense is good enough to, to win. And, uh, that was, that was not the case today. Yeah. And you know, you didn't mention some other guys, you know, like Ridgeway, Cam Curl, excellent job today. Yeah, Curl was so good. Yeah. And so I think that it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm sure when we watched y'all 22 and we kind of start delving into stuff, you'll, we'll see some of the issues with the defense and some of the little nuances here and there. But even on the big play, like, gosh, Montez was so close to having a sack fumble there. You know, so close to having a yep. sack fumble, even on the third and five. And and McCain's 
pretty close there. Yeah, like, yeah. And the third and five that they had earlier in the game, where um, I forget. Oh, Shaka Tony beats the the left tackle, gets a pressure, steps up. Montez has his arms around Tannehill's waist, and he just flips it to the running back for a first down. And that drive gets extended on that play and leads to the points. I just think to myself, like that's how close that game was. It was literally inches and a certain amount of arm tension away from just being a total blowout from by the defense and keeping them to seven points or three points whatever it was so again like that that group's done a good job and i know you can't you know what if it doesn't matter in life uh you know or almost doesn't matter unless it's horseshoes or hand grenades kind of thing but i think that group did, <laughs> did some good stuff and i think um that's another frustrating thing is is they're playing I don't want to say like amazing, but they're playing well enough to win football games like you alluded to there. And I think the offense is just kind of, it's, it's this yoke that they haven't been able to kind of get out from under. And uh, not that they played perfect or anything like that, but it, it's, it's tough, you know, cause especially like in the off season, I kind of thought, I thought the defense was going to be about this. And I thought the offense was going to be a little bit better than the defense. And then it's kind of been totally reversed. Like the defense looks like the, the, the unit that's carrying this team. The offense just has had no legs, um, you know, for three weeks now. So I think that's, uh, you know, today we got to see a little bit of the teeth, but it, it didn't feel like anything sustainable. It didn't seem like anything, um, you know, overly, uh, overly real, I guess. And that's the thing that's, that's kind of um, frustrating about the game today. Yeah, definitely. Um, just quickly looking up uh, the William Jackson situation. Uh, Jackson told the press that he has a back injury and the treatment wasn't working, that the disc issue that he had been having uh, continued to bother him. His coach, uh, Ron Rivera, said it was time, you know, we decided to make a change. So that's that's not ideal when you have a player saying one thing. Like if you're the coaches, uh, you know, you'd at least be like, yeah, Jackson uh, you know, his, his back is still bothering him and he's not playing to the level. Like give your, give your guy that bone, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I, my bigger, my bigger, uh, gripe with the coaching, um, is the time management at the end of both halves. Yeah. Um, do we want to run through this real quick or do you want to save it for later in the week? Yeah, I mean, we can touch it today and then I think we can hit a deeper, like just kind of high level stuff. And then, cause I'm curious to see cause I don't really pay attention too much to the clock except in the end of the game situations. Um, but well, so that was the thing though, is like end of, end of half, First half, they have a chance to call timeouts if Tennessee scores, get the ball back. Maybe you make a quick drive. I don't think that one's hellaciously bad. It was just weird because they called one timeout and then Tennessee gets a first down and then they're on like the two yard line. They score. And before that play, they don't call timeout. So they would have scored with like 45, 50 seconds left. Uh, potentially. Instead, they score with like 20 seconds left. So you take a knee and you go in as opposed to maybe we get a couple quick completions. They had some timeouts, you know, field goal. And then at the end of the game, obviously the biggest thing is the challenge. Like that's a horrendously bad challenge by Ron Rivera yeah. and you lose the timeout and it costs you dearly. Mm. And it's, it's really bad. And I just, you know, it's Ron, Ron, I think is right on that stuff a lot. Um, but he's had a bad couple of weeks in, in the game management department where he just does stuff where it's like, it, it's not, like it's not mortal sins type of stuff. Like it's not the worst I, I've ever seen, but it just, it kind of is nonsensical and feels right. robotic in a way where you're not actually human managing a game. You're like, what does the thing say right now? Click. Okay. Time out or not time out. And it's like, you got to have a better feel for that. I would think as a coach uh, to maximize your chances at winning. And I just don't think he's had a good, a good couple of weeks in that department. 
Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Like, I think certain guys, they, they abide by that formula pretty religiously. Ron, Ron might be one of them. I remember Kyle had a guy that, that was his only job on the staff was to be time management guy, you know? And so, again, you as a head coach, as a coordinator, you have a lot going on in your mind, and that's, like, the last thing you're thinking about. So it's always nice to have someone remind you of those situations, you know? So I think, um, yeah, obviously – the, the, the challenge, I think, was um, was a little bit of an emotional challenge. And, uh, you know, people have been talking all week about how he missed the challenge the week before and he should have got that out there or whatever or two weeks ago and how that led to the, the you know, like the, the tide turning against Philly. So maybe that's in his head a little bit. But, again, like nobody's perfect. The game wasn't executed at a high level in a couple different areas. And, um, you know, the end of the first half thing, you know, when the offense is kind of not performing at a super high level, uh, I'm not that mad about that. But I think the one in the second half is maybe more significant because you know you're 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 playing from behind. You need to play, and you know the, the reverse is also true there. Like you challenge that because you need to play because the 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 offense has been somewhat anemic outside of a couple of big plays. So maybe it felt a little bit more desperate on the sideline than it than it looked to us watching the game. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, I mean it was a. F- you know, it was a situation though, where they, I don't know. I just, I, there was a lot, we can, we should talk about that play. Sure. Uh, and that sequence later in the week as well, when you have a chance to go back and watch it. Cause I hated that play call as well. Mm. Like I hated that sequence. It's like second, I, as soon as Gibson didn't get the first down on first down and it was second, first in inches. I was like, I wonder if that's going to matter. Yeah. And sure enough, instead of just getting the first down and keeping it going, they have all that crazy stuff happen and they wind up costing themselves a timeout. Eventually they just do get it. Um, and it just feels like it should have been way easier. And that is a key sequence in the game. Right. Uh, so we'll go to the, through that uh, on whatever show is next. Uh, our plan, <laughs> I think, is to just stick with stick with kind of what we, we have done. Uh, we might shift around a little bit uh, and do something for Thursday. So like, we will take the time to watch the film and record something and have it come out Wednesday. By that point, though, we are game day minus one. Uh, as, they, as they call it in proper football, match day minus one. Uh, and then, and then, uh, Thursday morning, we'll try to have a game preview for you of some kind, even if it's not a full 45 minute pod for Chicago. Uh, we are still finalizing all the details of, of exactly what Thursday's schedule is on the radio as well, but certainly at the very least from six to eight, Logan and I will have countdown to kickoff. We might do a little longer. Uh, we might have some friends who knows, but Logan and I will be doing countdown to kickoff as far as I know, uh, from six to eight on the team 980 and 106.7 The Fan on Thursday. Uh, Then obviously uh, we will not be recording a podcast immediately after the Chicago game because it's going to be past midnight. And I, (laughs) I will speak for myself, I am old. And if I make the end of the game, I should get a trophy uh, because that is well past my bedtime. Uh, But we will try to get something out ASAP on Friday uh, once we've had a chance to catch up and watch. So that is uh, the schedule. Of course, if you subscribe, then whenever we release something, it just comes right to your podcast feed. So Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever it is you subscribe, uh, please subscribe to this here podcast called Take Command. And we will see you for our next episode in a couple of days. For Logan, I'm Craig. Cheers, everybody. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 